The Hill Talks, a podcast by The Hill Talk. Hello, hello. I'm Juan Ben Jr., your host, bringing you three stories you need to know. Coming from the nation's oldest black collegiate newspaper. This week, Stacey Abrams starts a speaker series on campus. Faculty and students discuss black women in leadership. And I talk to Janaea Bennett, executive director at Youth Leadership Foundation, about the importance of mentorship. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Joining me now is Natalie Betts, a campus reporter at The Hilltop who covers what's going on at the university. Last week, the Center for Women, Gender, and Global Leadership organized a chat and chew to talk about the roadblocks in the way for Black women in higher education. Though much of the conversation was on Dr. Claudine Gay, the first Black president to lead Harvard University. She resigned in January after she came under fire for plagiarism allegations and her testimony in a congressional hearing on anti-Semitism on college campuses. So I wonder if you can just describe what it was like being in the room and describe what the event was like. Definitely. The discussion was kind of set up as an open discussion with the moderator, um, Dr. Cassandra Vini, who is the director at the center. There was a lot of food, so there were snacks and things. So I think that definitely made a lot more people comfortable. People from all walks of life were there, not just administrators, faculty, students, and it was not solely just Black women. There were a great deal of Black men or mask presenting people there as well. And basically, there was just handing off of the mic of like, you can just share your thoughts here and just bouncing off of each other's thoughts. There wasn't necessarily a a structured way of doing things, but more so an open space, a safe space for the conversation to be had. Through that conversation, what were some of the specific challenges that some of the Black women in academia or even just, I mean, just anyone in, in academia said that they faced? A lot of them mentioned feeling a lack of support. Dr. Zaleza, who is the senior advisor for strategic initiatives um, here at Howard, he mentioned his experience working in Canada and being the only Black professor at his university at the time and having to reach out to other Black professors within the area to kind of gain a sense of community. Another thing that they kind of dealt with was feeling like their hard work was being discounted or undermined. I mentioned earlier Dr. Vini's experience of being told that her having her first teaching job was an affirmative action hire. And then also the challenge of feeling like they're being held to a higher standard. That was something that they mentioned a lot, especially with Dr. Claudine Gay's resonation that because of her identity as a Black woman, there were just certain things that she most likely was not going to be able to get away with compared to her other individuals. And even like Dr. Javina Evans, who is a professor in the College of Nursing and Allied Health Sciences, mentioned herself feeling like she had to work quadruple times as hard because on one end she's Black, but also she's a woman. So just having those struggles. Seems like intersectionality is a big part of this conversation. And also too, the lack of support that Black women or just Black professionals in academia may feel. It also leads to the conversation of like mental health and the importance of mental health in these kinds of spaces. I would be remiss to have this conversation with you and not talk about Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey, who was the Vice President of Student Affairs at Lincoln University in Missouri. She committed suicide earlier this year, and her death sparked conversations around just the importance of mental health in the workplace. 
I wonder from the conversations, did anyone share any methods that Black women or any person from a marginalized community that works in academia, did they share any methods that they can use to protect themselves when they're in the workplace? Definitely. The conversation at a certain point shifted from expressing your feelings about Dr. Claudine Gay and just the struggles of Black people in leadership into the faculty and administrators almost mentoring the students that were in the room. Dr. Evans did mention setting boundaries and how she teaches her students to truly advocate for themselves, emphasizing self-care, taking care of yourself outside of work. Dr. Zaleza mentioned creating a network of people. While working on the story, I spoke with Dr. Krista Johnson. I wasn't able to include her in my story, but she's the professor in the Department of African Studies. And then she's the director of the Center of African Studies and also the co-convener of the Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies minor. And when speaking with her and talking about Dr. Candia Bailey, her main thing that she pressed was hopefully this kind of shows that your entire life should not be your career, that it is okay to have other things outside of the work field. Natalie Betts, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Natalia Wilson, Hilltop News and Politics reporter, is back this week to talk about another Black woman in academia. Stacey Abrams launched her speaker series last week as the inaugural Ronald W. Walters Endowed Chair for Race and Black Politics. She joined Howard's faculty almost a year ago and will embark on a series of talks with the Howard community this semester. Natalia, it's good to see you again. It's great to be here. So you and I both attended last week's Fireside Chat. It was held in the School Business Auditorium, which was almost bursting at the seams with the amount of people who wanted to hear Stacey Abrams speak. This was her first Fireside Chat. What was the atmosphere like in the room? The atmosphere was spectacular. At the start, Ms. Abrams expressed how she didn't expect such a large turnout, but it exceeded the School of Business Auditorium seating capacity, which is 275. And you could see people lining up against the walls. I could just tell the audience was very excited and receptive. Failing is something that I think many people would say that they struggle with, especially college students. And I found it really interesting that Abrams decided to open up her conversation by offering advice on how to deal with failure. I wonder if you can tell me why you think she made that choice. Of course, we know Ms. Abrams has experienced very public failures, um, specifically with her gubernatorial race. Learning requires failure, and I think this message is especially important for college students to hear. Um, and she also said when referring to when she lost her race for Georgia governor that what terrified her most is that when she didn't win, there would be a decision made that it didn't matter. And what's most important is that we continue to do the work regardless of if we are or are not in the position or space we sought out to be in. What were some of the other topics on the agenda? This first event really focused on leadership and political engagement. She also discussed the effects of voter suppression and gerrymandering and just really emphasized the importance of local elections as a means to combat these issues within our communities. She talked about leading from where you are. What does that look like for college students? Leading from where you are means finding a place to stand and starting to do the work. As young college students, we have access to information and context that may not be available to the broader community. So we have the opportunity and responsibility to act as translators by identifying the issues and explaining why they are a problem in a way that everybody can really understand and once we're registered to vote, we can create bridges for other people to do the same and become civically engaged. Ms. Abrams shared that her mission is to really expand the ways that we think about Black politics 
to include all the ways our lives are impacted by governments and leadership at every level, so local, state, federal. And she plans to return monthly and share that future events in the speaker series will cover topics such as AI, climate change, and the election, of course, but thinking more broadly about the roles we play. She also shared she'll be supporting the Women's Center in February, which I'm very excited for. All right, well, Natalia, thank you so much for your reporting, and I'm sure we'll hear back from you soon. Looking forward to it. Besides being known as the first month of the year, January is National Mentoring Month. The multimedia team at the Hilltop put out a video earlier this week highlighting Youth Leadership Foundation, a Washington nonprofit that's doing important work fostering connections with young people in the city. I spoke to its executive director, Jenea Bennett, about this work and what got her into it in the first place. Here's an excerpt from our conversation. And mentorship, you know, provides students with an opportunity to kind of slow things down a little bit and say, okay, we don't have to do any action yet. We can just kind of sit and consider, you know, the problem first, like how I'm being impacted by this problem. What is it making me feel? What is it making me think? And then, all right, well, there's this whole sort of list of different options that I can pursue, you know, and just sort of step-by-step going through the advantages and disadvantages of each one of those courses of action without judgment, but then saying, okay, what is the best choice for me? It seems like judgment is also a big part of the mentorship and relationship and the lack of judgment for a mentee to be able to talk and express themselves and, you know, explain their options and explain their situations without the fear of being judged. And young people in D.C. have been really, really judged over the last couple of years. So I wonder if you can talk about, like, what do you think is being missed in that conversation? I think that there's a way to give students a space to sort of both say that, okay, well, the externalities that are happening, you know, this is not ideal. This is not what I want for myself. This is not what I want for my community, but also not sort of um, shy away from responsibility in, in terms of, well, how can I actually affect a difference? You know, how can I understand what's happening for me and be sort of like a, um, you know, an alchemist, you know, so that like I'm giving lead and I'm, I'm turning it into gold somehow. And so that's just, that's literally the delicate balance of having sort of like high expectations without judgment. It's such a difficult like balance. Seeing a person as an individual, it also alleviates the burden of, of that kind of undue judgment. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Hill Talks. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, but none of it would have been possible if it wasn't for the hard work of our reporters and editors at The Hilltop. Special thanks to Natalie and Natalia for joining me today. You can check out their stories and more of our reporting by visiting thehilltoponline.com, where we publish stories on everything from news and politics to what's happening in culture every Monday. Also, sending a special thank you to Jenea Bennett from YLF for taking the time to speak with me this week. You can watch the video that we made about National Mentoring Month on our website underneath the Multimedia tab, where you can also find this podcast. Follow us on social media at thehilltophu. And if you liked our theme music, it was created by Terry Thomas. With that being said, this is where I leave you. Till next time, Bison.